So we're going to dive into the text, and uh, last week we got started on this new series called uh, A Time to Build, and it was really just going through the book of, of Nehemiah, and I asked everybody last week, like, how many of you guys are intimidated by the Old Testament? Sometimes it's tough to dig into the Old Testament and read through. You feel like you might have to have a degree to really know how this all connects, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, um, but we're going to be in Nehemiah, and we started that, and if you remember, Nehemiah is, he's a cupbearer. He's basically a taste tester for the king to make sure the king doesn't get poisoned, uh, so that's kind of a, a fun job. You kind of roll in the dice every day if you're going to survive and make it to the next day. So we began to learn about what he was going through in that the walls and the gates of Jerusalem had been burned down, had been torn down. And this is a big deal because walls were meant to fortify, this, fortify the city. What good is the temple on the inside if you can't protect the temple? Right? And, and, and so the walls have a significant importance. And this is following the Babylonian captivity, which uh, the Jews had been scattered all over for 70 years. They'd been deported from their hometown of Jerusalem. And people are beginning to come back. They've rebuilt the temple. Team, or king Nebuchadnezzar is no longer king. There's a new king in place, and he's allowed the people to go back to build, rebuild the temple. So, I mean, I, I put it like this last week. If you can imagine, like, being deported from Jacksonville... And then getting to come back 50 years later, and there's no church. Like, there's no churches whatsoever there. And so they began to rebuild the church, and the walls were obviously very significant. And so that's what God calls him to go and build. But he doesn't have much education about building. He's not a leader. He's a cupbearer. Like, what is he going to do with this giant dream, this giant vision God gave for him? So it's really a story of faith. It's really a story of walking with God in the building and in the rebuilding that we go through in life. And so maybe right now in your life, you're in a building fresh season. Maybe you're in a, a rebuilding season, whether that's your career, whether that's in your family, whether that's financially, you might be in a building or a rebuilding season. And so I think we can kind of look at that through this lens. And today I want to talk to us really about prayer, about prayer and about people and about God and just how Nehemiah has prays some big, bold prayers and that we can do the same. And so let's go into chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 1, and let's begin to read. In the month of Nisan, you guys wonder where that, that word, that car brand came from, Nisan. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine, this is Nehemiah speaking, and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. I mean, that's something you never want to hear somebody say, like, what's wrong with your face, right? I always feel like that's one of the worst things you can ever say to someone. What's wrong with your face? And you're like, nothing. This is my face. Why do you say that? So he says that the king notices something's different. There was a certain character that Nehemiah had walked in, right? And, he, and the king notices it. And we get to verse 3 after Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid. You wonder why was he afraid? I'll tell you about that in a second. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed with fire? We wonder why is he so afraid after the king sees him? He goes from sadness to fear. And what we have to know is that there was actually like laws in place, and King Artaxerxes was a, a, like a really tough, horrible king. Like he had actually um, had his wives 
um, killed in the past for being sad in his presence because there were laws that would not allow you to be sad in the king's presence because he'd be, you, you just kind of bring your mellow, kind of uh, gloomy nature in there, and they didn't want that on the king, so they had laws for it. And at, at one point, he had actually killed one of his wives. So, I mean, King Artaxerxes was not going to be leading the marriage conference, obviously. You know, he's having wives killed just for having, you know, a, a, a frown on their face. And so I think really out of this text, kind of the first takeaway for us today is that God uses the people in our lives to bring us to truth. God uses people in our lives to, to bring us to truth. We've got to kind of fess up. Um, but if you're like me, we carry stuff for a long time, right? I mean, I'm the type of person that stuff will kind of build up for a while. Anybody a stuffer? Just be honest with me. Anybody a stuffer? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, I can fly off the handle immediately and let you know too, but most of the time I'm going to stuff it for a while, and after a while someone's finally going to ask me and you just can't hide it anymore. Like, we're all a bunch of good fakers, particularly in the church. We get really good at faking it. Um, but really, I think who, what I, we can learn from this text is Nehemiah comes to this place where he can't hide it anymore. And even the king, which obviously brings great fear on his life for what it might cost him. And the truth of the matter is that truth and honesty cost us something, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's a risky and it costs us something. But dishonesty or inauthenticity is actually more costly. Honesty is going to cost you something. It's a little bit of a faith walk, and you've probably been burnt before when it comes to honesty, right? You had that friend you trusted, and they went and blabbed behind you, behind your back. No longer friends, right? <laughs> Bridge burnt. Like, those things happen. We've probably been burnt. Maybe even in the church that's happened before. Honesty costs us something, but, but the flip side of that, dishonesty costs us even more because it begins to terrorize what's happening on the inside, and it begins to eat away with us because it's not that... That, that authenticity that we're supposed to be experiencing as a community. That's why it's one of our core values. And that's why one of the things I love about this house and about this family is the authenticity in which you come to this place. Like, we've worked hard to create that culture, but I believe that you come and, and help, you know, cement that culture and allow that here. Is This is a place you can be real. It's a place you can be honest and grow. And, and I think that's really kind of the first step to really understanding this prayer thing is, Honesty. Honesty in prayers. I think we've got to wake up to that honesty, and God brings people into our life for us to get honest with ourselves. So many times we live in the dark, but the only thing that grows in the dark is mold. The, the flowers flourish in what, right? Yeah, it flourishes in the sun, it flourishes in the light. And if you want your light to be, if you want your life to be flourishing, then we've got to come into the light. And that's first with God and getting honest in our prayer life. And I think that's what Nehemiah has this opportunity to do. So the next time that someone comes to you and says, hey, how are you actually doing? It's okay. Nobody wants to hear, I'm doing terrible. You want to hear all about it. No one wants to hear that. But the next time that you really have someone that you feel like you can trust, like have that opportunity. God opens those doors. Be honest. Be honest. This is what I'm going through, even when it, you feel like it might cost you something, right? Because it's worth it. Proverbs 12, verse 19 says, truthful lips will endure forever, but a lying tongue only lasts for a moment. So that person that went behind your back and was bad talking to you at work, anybody know what I'm talking about? They were bad, to, you thought it was your promotion, and you know, they started running you down to the boss, like, and don't get worried about those lying tongues, because they're only going to last for a moment. It's the truthful lips. So we walk in that light, we walk in that truth. So the first thing, God uses people to bring us the truth. Let's look at verse 4 and just read verse 4 and then come back. I think there's something we can take away from that too. Verse 4. The king said to me, 
what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. This is a very interesting verse. One, the king in his history has shown that people being sad in his presence, and then Nehemiah is getting honest about that, that could lead to death. And so here, the king actually responds with, what is it you want? So there is a, a bit of compassion. And I think what births this compassion in this person is the consistency of character that Nehemiah has shown in his life. You've never been sad in my presence before. You're always happy-go-lucky. You've always got that positive outlook. You're always, for us, we always have that hope of Christ, no matter the situation or circumstances. But then something like bugging us, we've got to get honest about it. The king says, what is it you want? Then I pray to the God of heaven. I think we see one of the things that's so vibrant throughout the book of Nehemiah is Nehemiah's prayer life. We look into it when he hears about what's going on in Jerusalem and the despair the people are in. It wakes him up to pray and fast and mourn. Like it wakes something up in him to go to prayer. And this time when the king asked him something, what is it you want? It's like genie in the bottle. What is it you want? He does what? He, he prays about it. He prays about it. That's a big thing. It's a big thing. I think right now Nehemiah is probably asking God, all right, so we're still on the same page, right? Like he's trying to make sure thing, we're, we're going in the same direction that you kind of put on my heart when I was coming into this time with the king. And, and we're going with that. I'm not asking about the promotion, right? I'm not going to ask about a raise or moving out of cupbearer to food tester. You know, I'm not thinking about moving. I'm not asking for the seat, you know, made of gold, the toilet seat made of gold. No, I'm asking about what God's put on my heart. And the truth of the matter is that God uses those prayers. And the question is, what is it you want? God uses that to purify our motives. God uses that purifier motive. Look at James real quick. Look at James chapter 4, uh, verse 3. It says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Sometimes I ever feel like those are hitting the roof. I think this has always been a struggle for me. Um, and and I, just to give you the example, like if I were to ask my wife, you know, hey, am I being selfish about this? Right? When I ask that question, she's going to be telling me, yeah, you're being a selfish jerk about that. Or no, I don't think you are. She'll be honest with me about it. So some of the times we don't get honest with people. We don't ask God the question when we're, we're really being selfish about it. So sometimes I have people come to me and say, how do I know if this is me or this is God? You ever struggle with this? Like, I feel like God's telling me this, but is this me? Because it feels like it could be me. But it also feels like it could be God. Anybody ever been there? Anybody? Like, we're all there. We've all experienced that in our life. Um, and sometimes, you know, people ask me, like, how do I know? And, and I always tell them this. Usually when you're asking the question, you're already halfway there, okay? So usually people who are running in selfish motives and are really trying to do it, asking the question, living in the tension, is this me or is this God, is really right where you're supposed to be. And you don't have to rush ahead of God. You don't have to try to make things happen. You just got to stay in his will. You just got to stay obedient and faithful every day, and he's going to make that path straight. And so if you've ever lived in that tension, I get it. I have too. But I think we've, many times we feel like we've got to be on these hard and fast lines when it comes to how God speaks or what he tells us to do. We'll either pick one or two like different gospels other than the gospel of Jesus. We'll pick like the gospel of suffering. Like, no, this, this, um, this sounds like this could be really hard, you know, so there's, you know, this must be God. Or this sounds like, you know, this is really going to be suffering for me. This is going to be a long journey. So we're just going to go and plug in. And so that must be God, right? Or the other side of it, it's like this gospel of hedonism, where it's like, yeah, this is going to provide all these great things for me. I'm going to have the raise. Therefore, it's obviously, if it's better for me, 
is better for God, right? We have this kind of theology, so we get caught in one of these ways, and it's kind of tough to weigh through that. But I think we've got to live in the tension of that and know that God is going to speak and God is going to make clear to us when we're asking that question. I, I, I love this simple prayer that the, in Psalm 51 that the psalmist prays. Create in me a pure heart. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. That's just such a simple prayer. Like, God, I, what is it you want? Like, well, let me talk. God, just make sure I'm, I'm not acting as selfish motives. Just make sure I'm in alignment with you, Lord. Because that's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to feel that out. And I think we've just got to rest in the fact that God's going to direct. And when we're asking the question, I think we're already halfway there. Now we just need to follow through with whatever the Lord leads and directs. And I don't think it's on these hard, fast lines or just because it's good for our life doesn't mean it's not God, you know, or just because it's going to be a tough next couple months or a next couple of years, but this is what God's leading us to do. That doesn't mean that it's not God's will. You know, so I think we, we kind of have these different theologies that mess up really hearing from God and knowing, and through that tension, he purifies our motives. So the tension's good. The tension's good. We did a series on that last year. So let's look to verse 5 now. Let's look to verse 5. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. I mean, can you imagine the king asks what you want, your boss asks you what you want, and you say, so I want to take a vacation to the, my hometown, all right, when do you want to leave? Today. Um, when do you want to come back? I don't know. <laughs> like, can you imagine, like, he's kind of setting this up. It's an indefinite vacation to do something for the good of his hometown, right? Can I imagine this picture? And I think the truth of the matter is that what we can find into um, this, uh, th- this verse right here, if you guys will throw it up, I-, I think honestly what God's trying to get at through this text is uh, that God uses people to answer those prayers. That God uses people to answer prayer. Sometimes we box God into how he's going to answer prayer, right? We, we, we look for the rain, we look for the storm, and sometimes it's the person right in front of us. God brings these opportunities that sometimes we are the answer to each other's prayer in this room. I think that's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ. Someone's been praying and struggling financially, and someone else that's doing well in a season comes along and blesses them. So it's, and it's just following, listening to the Lord in, in those times. But we bring that encouragement, and we have an opportunity to be an answer to each other's prayer. But God uses people to answer prayer. I remember uh, when we, we felt like we were called to plant a church, and, um, and I've told this story many times, and so I won't go through the whole thing. But I remember that one of the first phone calls I made outside of talking to Taryn and talking to um, a pastor, uh, our pastor that we were serving under at the time. We had talked with him way before. And I'd called a, another church planner pastor that had been a mentor in another season of my life, called him and said, hey, this is what I feel like God's telling me to do. And um, he, he said, Kyle, this is way bigger than you. This is way bigger than you. Um, this is going to take a lot of people to make this come to pass. This is way bigger than you. And while that was such um, kind of a scary thing, because I was like, okay, a lot of people, where are those a lot of people? Because at this time, it was me and Taryn and like two or three other people who knew that we were doing this. Where are those a lot of people that are going to help this come to pass? And, but there was also this giant relief that it doesn't all depend on me. 
And if you've got anything in your heart that God is building, that is rebuilding, that is worthwhile, if there's a ministry to start, if there's things, big things happening in the life of your family, if there's anything worthwhile, it's probably not going to solely depend on you, and you're not going to be able to do it all by yourself. That's a, that's a humbling thought. But if you're anything like me, I want to do it myself, right? Anybody else like that? Like, I'll do it myself, forget the group project, I'm getting in here, and I'm going to get it done, it's going to be done the way I want it. But what I think we missed out on this, first of all, there's a giant, you know, spoonful of humility that happens that when I realize I can't do this by myself, right? Um, and, and it's a great joy because you begin to share the vision. Like, I can't imagine, the vision never would have happened if I wouldn't have began to share it with people. And so there may be some things in your heart that God's doing that you're going to have to, like, share that with somebody, Maybe it's a big dream. Maybe it's a big vision, something that God's been stirring in you. Maybe God's going to wake that dream up that's been residing in you for a long time today. Whatever it might be, I I believe that God uses people to answer those prayers. And so that we're going to have to communicate and talk those things out. I feel like this is what God's asking me to do. And, And sometimes it's just bouncing those things off, but sometimes the words you get back are like, that's what I needed. I'm moving forward in that. And so we've got to learn to be honest uh, about these things. God uses people to answer those prayers. I, uh, past couple of weeks, there, there's a lot going on behind the scenes in the church that you're going to be hearing about uh, in the next two to three weeks that God's doing, like big stuff, and I, I can't really, I'll talk about one of them next week and some of the other things are, are just on the table. But two days in a row, my mom and my wife um, shared this verse with me, and I thought it was so powerful for my life uh, here this past few weeks. And this is so powerful, I think, in this midst of this message as well. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When God brings those people into our lives and, and we're trying to feel out the tension, what, what, what is God telling me to do in this? What is it you want? Trying to answer that question. I think we, we come back and say, just got to trust the voice that God's speaking to me. Pray that prayer of motivation. Let God purify it through that and know that through that, you're going to walk in that way that he's called us to walk. And, and there's great freedom in that. It's just taking it one step at a time. I was just talking with uh, somebody in the hallway, and they're just saying, I'm just taking it one day at a time. And that's so powerful when it comes to walking with the Lord. That's really what it's all about. Let's finish out this um, text, verses 6 through, I think, 10, right here. Um, and we'll begin to unpack this a little bit, because I think this is where it really takes it to the next level. Then the king, with the queen, sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take? Of course, the queen wants specifics about the conversation, right? And when will you get that? All right, maybe that's just my marriage. Um, what else did he say? What else did he say? I don't know. I was like, everything's good. Um, it pleased me. Um, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. He gets his indefinite vacation to get some work done. So I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king... So the asking is not over where he's like, oh yeah, can I also, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe uh, conduct uh, until I arrive in Judah. And may I also have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he'll give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I'll occupy. I need wood for the beams for the gates, for the uh for the city wall and for my residence. I need a lot of lumber, basically. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my requests. Verse 9. 
So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. So he not only did what he asked, but he also sent some men with him to protect him. Like, that's pretty awesome. You can tell he had bought some respect with the king for when this time came for a big ask. When Sinbalat and the, uh, the Horonite and, um, uh, and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disur- disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Be with, be, with here, be with us here in two weeks when we begin to talk about facing adversity because this is just foreshadowing from what kind of headache these people are going to begin to cause in Nehemiah's life when he's trying to rebuild the walls. You've probably had some people working against you. You've got some um, adversaries in your life, some people that are you know, trying to tear down what God's trying to do, and uh, we're going to talk about that here in a couple of weeks. I think the last thing that we can just extract from this text, I feel like this is a bold prayer. It's a bold request. And I love what Matthew 7, 7 through 9 says, is that ask and ask and you'll receive. Knock, the door will be open to you. Doesn't, doesn't God, like he, if you ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. You know, God's good and he, and he wants to answer prayer. There's a, a book out there um, called The Circle Maker. And years ago, Terry and I read this by a pastor named Mark Batterson. It's a really powerful book on prayer. And in that book, Mark Batterson has a quote, and really just our last thing is, is God honors bold prayers. I want you to hear this. God honors bold prayers. Mark Batterson has a quote in his book that says this right here. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible for you, they're insulting to God. Like, that's a big, heavy, I feel beautiful statement that says, wake up the dream inside of you. Wake up our vision of how big God is and what he can do in our lives and quit asking for the tiny little crumbs on the table when the table is set for something far greater. There's something so much more, and and we have to just kind of quit being a victim to everything and begin to pray bold prayers. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and we just need to align ourselves in the will of God and not go in that selfish motivation. But God honors those bold prayers when it's in line with his will. I think it's so powerful for us today. I, I, when we were first, when we took this property, it, was, it, was, it looked different, I'll put it like that. And um, this building, this whole property, and, and we had raised a certain amount of money to launch portably, like in a school or a theater and we had raised our money, or we were raising our money for that. Um, we were actually still pretty early in the process. But we had a budget of, of a certain amount of money. And we came in and took this property, and we felt like it needed two hundred to $250,000 to do it. And, like, don't know if you know what it's like, church planning financially, but you don't have two hundred fifty k sitting around, right? But God, I felt like God told us, like, this is, this is where I'm going to do the work with, with you and your church and so at that point, I'm like, this kind of came to me, this whole bold prayers. We were reading this book, and we were living this book about that. And we were living this book of Nehemiah asking, I need this. Like, I'm leaving, <laughs> you know, and I need timbers, I need letters. So I remember having a conference call where I asked someone for $100,000. I don't know if you've ever asked somebody for $100,000, but like, it's a little bit scary to ask people for money anyway. Like, even for five bucks, I'm like, I don't know. You ever ask somebody for five? Can I borrow a dollar? Like, 
Sorry, and we like apologize for asking this dude for $100,000. Here's the crazy thing. He said yes. He said, he said yes, okay? And so we were pumped. We were like, yes, we're going to have it. Like, it's made away. We're so excited. Well, this guy ends up moving out of the state, moves into some different things. The deal falls through. He told me yes. I had like three people on the conference call to have some accountability. So if he says yes, they're going to help him follow through. And... Um, so I said, okay, God, you're going, to make a, you're going to make a way. God is good. He's going to make a way. Well, God ended up doing it in different ways, but I made another request for $50,000 this time. Another person, I asked somebody that knew them, like, how much do you think I can ask for? You know, they said, ask for 50. He'll do 50. I already talked to him. He'll do 50. I'm like, okay, we'll do 50. So I asked for 50 and got the 50. And what God did from that, he made up the next 50 in a different way. He made up the next 50 in a different way. A lot of times, again, we box God into the way he wants to answer prayers, right? God, I need you to answer it like this, right? Or I need you to answer it with a person that looks like this and, you know, has this gifting and has this. I, I, I need it to answer like this. We begin to box God in this tiny little box and just don't say, God, like, you're creator. Like, you put stars in place. You put the moon, the sun. You put hairs in our head. Like, you did this whole, like, birthing thing where babies happen. Like, it's just, like, you did all this, like, but yet I, I, I can't trust you with my life. I can't trust you to make sure the bills are going to be paid when I trust you in my finances. I can't trust you with all these things. God wants to, to do so much in our life, and chances are, like, just go ahead and eradicate the idea that it's going to happen the way you think, and just free yourself from that, and just let God be God, Right? Just let God be God and watch him blow our minds. And I'm telling you today, God wants to wake up some people who will dream and pray big prayers and write bold prayers um, and, and watch what God's going to do through it. I love another thing that Mark Batterson says in his book, and I think you guys have this. Because you know he can, you can pray with holy confidence. Because you know he can, like you can pray with confidence. You don't have to be scared coming into the throne room of God to ask God. He's not going to give you a snake when you ask for a fish. Because you know he can do it, you might as well pray it. In fact, I actually want to invest in some of your prayer lives today. If you, I mean, you saw these quotes, like two quotes I gave you are just like killer. And so I've got three books. Anybody want these books? Seriously, don't be shy. Like, I don't know what to do. I saw three hands go up, and so I'm going to give them to them real quick. Here's what I'd love for you to do with those is to read them. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I'd love for you to read those. And then I'd love for you to invest them back in our, our church library, right? Like bring them in here. Put them back in here because it'll be a blessing to someone else. It's been a blessing to me. So I just want to invest that in, in your lives today. I think it, it'll rock your world. But I think this text will rock our world because that's what Nehemiah had to do. He asked that. And what did the king do? He actually sent some people with him. He wasn't going to go it alone. He wasn't going to have to make this journey from Persia or from Susa. He wasn't going to have to make that, that journey from Susa all the way to Jerusalem. And he wasn't hopping on a three-hour plane, right? He was going to have to truck through this. He was going to have to meet with these governors and these, like, keeper of the royal. He, was going to have to, he didn't have to do it alone, right? Thank God. Like, he, didn't even, he even forgot to pray about that. But for the big dreams, for the bold prayers that you're asking in your life, the things that are happening, it's going to take people and resources to do it. And maybe it's not people or resources you're praying about right now. Maybe it's healing in your physical body. Maybe it's some other things going on. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's 
relationships. Um, but I want to wake up us as a church and just say, let's quit praying sm- small prayers because God honors bold prayers. And he is honored in that. So I want to I wake that up in us today. God wants to do something in our lives. He wants to do something in each of our lives individually. And I believe that he's calling us to pray big today. Trust him and watch God be God. Right? And so I want to ask you to stand and we're going we're gonna to gather and pray together today. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to cross the aisles and just connect with people right now. Cross the aisles and just connect all across this house. Like, we don't have to make, like, a big group circle, but just, like, connect with some people around you. Here's what we're going to do. I just want you to close your eyes with me for a second, if you will. And I promise I won't talk super long so your hands get sweaty. Um, Here's what I want us to do, though. And I want you to just, in your mind, I want you to visualize that prayer that, that has been going through your mind this whole message that keeps coming up, right? And I just want you to begin to circle that thing. I want you to begin to circle it in prayer right now. God, restore my marriage. God, get me out of debt. God, do more than get me out of debt. God, I, I need the finances to save and prepare for college for my kids. Like, pray the prayer. God, I I need complete healing in this area. I'm sick of medicating it. Pray the big prayer. Circle it up. I'm not just going to ask to get by, God. Give us more. We have not because we ask not. Come on, circle the prayer right now, just in your own life, in your own way. Just circle the prayer. God, in this room is represented a bunch of torn down, burnt down gates, walls that are torn down. In this room, is, it is represented, God. People that are in despair and that are hurting, and we've been stuffing it, but God, we can't hide it anymore. Your presence is bringing it out. Your spirit is bringing it out right now into the light that we might experience freedom and we might experience abundance, God, beyond the brokenness of the world and into the wholeness of heaven. God, you are good, and you know how to give good gifts. And I pray today, God, as we circle those bold prayers today, we circle them in this moment that when we walk out these doors, God, we walk in confidence because we know you can. We may not experience the breakthrough immediately. We may not experience the healing, the restoration Immediately, it's going to take some time. There's going to be some conversations. There's going to be some things that take place. But God, you will bring favor. You will bring your blessing. You will bring everything into alignment with your will today. God, we rest today in your goodness and in your greatness. Come on, just as we're joined together, just begin to circle that prayer in your life. Begin to pray for the body that miracles would come forth, that God would do the incredible beyond our wildest imagination in our life.